Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. We'll start here in just a few minutes. Um, anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Who is happy? Just raise your hand. Anybody happy to be here today? Um, I am glad, and uh, before I get started, I just want to give honor to the leadership of this church, uh, Pastor and Sister Valerie. They are great, great leaders, uh, great pastors, and uh, and First Lady, and I want to give honor also to uh, Brother Henderson. Uh, he's the system director for the uh, Christian development, and uh, you know he, he's the one that put me on schedule today, so I want to give him honor for allowing me to come here and teach this morning. I do not take it lightly, and if I ever take it lightly, please come take me out of here because this is something really big um, for me and for the church. And like Pastor said this morning, you know, what we do today matters. So I hope what I do today really matters. Amen? Somebody else will be translating, brother. We, we got that covered. Or I'll be translating later, so you may be hearing me. All right, so if you all got your Bibles, um, and I forgot to give... Uh, Brother Brad, the, the, my note, so please bear with me. Uh, Genesis 39, so I was right. <laughs> Genesis 39. And we'll be reading the whole chapter, okay? But don't worry. Um, after, I'm, after we're done reading, you guys can be seated, and I'll remain standing. So, <laughs> so that gives you a little bit of relief. Amen. Genesis 39, everybody got it? Amen. So we'll start, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an offer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, I want to keep that in mind, all right? And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Keep that in mind. And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer of his, over his house, and all that he had he put onto, into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass that after these things that his master's wife cast eyes upon Joseph. We all know the story, right? If you don't, we're about to find out. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, what is not what is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Pretty much telling her, look, I'm not going to do this. 
But she pretty much said in her mind, lie with me or I'm going to lie about you. And that's what she did. Amen. <laughs> there it is, yeah. So uh, he's, he's asking, uh, neither has he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He wasn't worried about, you know, uh, doing this because of Potiphar. He was more worried about what God had to say about it, right? And it came to pass, and he spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. Uh-oh. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled, smart man, and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the man of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came into me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his, his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came into me to mock me, and it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. Now I imagine her telling this story like a five-year-old kid trying to make up a story, you know, and then he did this, and he did that, and, you know, and much bunch of ants, 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 right, but she's telling here the story right now, and it came to pass when his master heard these words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, after this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled, he was mad, he was really upset, anybody would be, right, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But keep in mind what it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Anybody see a, a continuing uh, term here? And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because, once again, the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Again, pretty lengthy story, pretty lengthy scripture. And the thought that I, that I want to teach this morning is the Lord is with you. Tell your neighbor, the Lord is with you. Amen. Can we lift a hand? You can put your Bibles down. Lift a hand and pray for the word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that this word gives us some type of revelation, Lord. We pray that you, we see this in a new insight. And, and let us be reminded today, Lord, that you are with us, that you are for us. And everything that we do because of you will prosper. Lord, we trust your word. We trust your spirit. We trust your guidance. And we pray, Lord, that these things will come to pass in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you all may be seated. Thank you so much for standing for the scripture. Like I said, it may, may have been a while, but I'll, I'll, I'll be the one remaining standing, okay? So, all right. <laughs> I won't sit down until I'm done. All right, so first I want to start, uh, just give some background about why. And I told my wife this morning, I was like, you know, when, when I was growing up, uh, I didn't, my family didn't really go to church. So, um, we never, I never had knowledge of these stories in the Bible, right? 
until one day, um, it was a Saturday, and these people uh, came to my house knocking on the door at around 10 in the morning to testify because they claimed to be witnesses of some sort. Who knows, right? Um, other times, they had come to my house, and my mom would kindly said, don't open the door. You know, just, they'll leave, you know. But this time, I saw at the window, and it was a hot summer day, you know, because it was hot. And I saw the guy just standing out there just, you know, taking deep breath. I'm like, it's really hot outside. And, and, and the, the kindness in me came out. I was like, they probably want some water. So I opened the door. I said, would you guys like some water? They said, sure. I went to turn around to go grab some water bottles, and they made themselves at home. So now I'm getting the side eye from everybody in my family, like, what did you just do? So anyways, uh, not trying to stay on this story so long, but, you know, they said, would you guys like a Bible study? And I was like, well, that's new <laughs> in this house. You know, we don't usually, we don't have a Bible in this house. You know, this was back then. I was like maybe 10 years old. But anyways, um, and so it was, it was the two adults, you know, and their kid. Their kid was about my age. So then they said, well, the kids can go outside and have a Bible study because we had some, you know, a little table and chair set up outside. And the adults can stay here. And, and then I could say as I was leaving outside, my mom was really looking at me like, what did you just do? And I'm there. I'm like, because up to this point, um, I was reminded about everything that I did. God is going to be mad at that. So now I was like, God is really going to be mad at this. But anyways, uh, so we go outside, and, and this kid, you know, he was dressed up nice in a suit, and uh, I was like, man, this kid really knows the Bible, you know, he's carrying a Bible with a little, you know, bag, and he's got all these papers, you know, they hand out the little, you know, handouts that they give out usually, and uh, he starts talking about this guy in the Bible that has dreams from God. Now, mind you, I didn't know about Joseph at this point, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. But then my sister asks this question. She asks, well, how do you know? He asked him, how do you know? He made a, she made it personal to him. How do you know that, that this, these dreams were from God? And he couldn't answer. He was like, I don't know. You know, he could have said, oh, by faith, you know, just let me keep reading. But he really got stuck on, on that question. He stopped the Bible study, and he was trying to figure out why he, he knew or he thought that these dreams were by God. So because of that, my sister is really, like, skeptical. So, and I follow my sister a lot because she's older than me. So her skepticism built two minds. So now I'm like, I don't think there's a God, you know? So this story in particular was one that almost made me not believe in a God, right? Because just simply because of the fact that this person could not answer a question like this. But then come past forward sometime, I start coming to church. Brother Roberts asks my in-laws if they want to have a Bible study. And since I was dating my wife at that time, she said, can my boyfriend come and be part of the study? I said, why did you do that? You know, but anyways, I wanted to spend time with her, you know, and be, be a good boyfriend then. And uh, so I, I came. And Lord behold, we get to the story of Joseph. And then things start resonating. I'll say, oh, she's talking about that dude that had dreams, you know, in, in, in the Bible. You know, God giving him dreams. So I asked the same question to Brother Roberts. Big mistake. <laughs> a good mistake, right? Because he spent a good amount of time explaining why he knew, right? He gave me concrete scripture showing me why these were God's dreams. So I'm thankful today for a man of God like Brother Roberts and 
right now, ironically, I'm teaching this story about Joseph and the dreams. So, you know, that's just a funny way of God telling me, you see, you almost walked away or didn't believe in me because of Joseph. And now you're teaching about Joseph. So God is good. Amen. But we, we start here right now after we, and I wasn't here for the lesson last time, but I'm, I, I was in a hearing slightly different. And, uh, you know, Joseph had just been through a lot. His brothers really didn't like him, and they did really bad things to him. And now they sold him into slavery. He's uh, heading to an Egyptian slave market when we take up the story, right? And now he's been purchased by Potiphar, and he's also known as the Egyptian um, official. And the Bible doesn't describe Potiphar in depth, right? It just says, you know, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, right? We don't have any background on his family. We don't have any, you know, any, any, anything else telling us what, what his story is, right? It just says he's an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, you know, in case you guys were wondering, he was in Egypt, so he was an Egyptian, right? And like I said, though we would like more information, you know, the story here is not about Potiphar, but it's about Joseph, right? And so that's why in the Bible doesn't give that much, you know, um, context on Potiphar, right? But then Joseph gets upgraded, right? He, he, he goes, um, he's now the master of dreams, right? And we would not expect this to happen in the story, right? Because he's a slave, but he's overseer of the whole entire house, and and uh, and the narrator, like I said, I mean, and the Bible is, is it explains to us how things take a turn, right? In Genesis thirty nine and two, it begins, and the Lord was with Joseph, right? The Lord was with Joseph, and to me, that's what changed everything in Joseph's life is that God was with him, right? And he was a prosperous man, so everything that he did prospered, right? In the house of his master, the Egyptian. So while he was in Potiphar's house, God was with him, and everything he did prosper. Now, prosperous is a term that you don't really relate to with a slave, right? When you think of slaves in Egypt or some type of slavery, you think of really bad things happening to a person. You would never expect a slave to be prosperous, right? So, but this, in this case, Joseph was prosperous, right? Uh, surely was a sign of the divine, uh, divine blessing that fell not only on Joseph, but also by extension on Potiphar's entire household. The fullness of his blessing is indicated by the repeated use of this significant term, and that is the Lord was with Joseph. We see in Genesis 39, uh, 2 through 6, uh, I'm going to read it real quick. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served them and he made him overseer of the house. So right away, you know, this starts happening. And all that he had, he put in his hand. He had everything. He had access to pretty much everything that he had, right? And it came to pass from the time that he had made overseer of the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So now because Joseph being in that house, now, his, now Potiphar's house is being blessed. Amen. And the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. Everything was blessed and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He really trusted Joseph. He wasn't seeing him as a slave. He was seeing him as a trustee, right? Something, someone he can trust. And he knew not all he had, uh, say, bread, 
which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored, right? That's how Joseph is described in this part of, of his life. Though he's a slave, he is a goodly person, right, and well favored. Genesis 39 and 21, but the Lord, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. There it is again, the Lord was with Joseph. There it is God again, giving him favor, right, giving him mercy in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, this is in a different time in his, in his, in his life, but same, same concept. God is with him, right? The keeper of the prison, uh, Genesis 39 and 23 says, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was understand because the Lord was with him. There it is again. The Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So we see this repeating concept time and time again about Joseph, how God is with him and everything he does is prospering. The use of these words is so significant because it shows that Joseph was already fulfilling God's promise to Abraham. Right. If we go back to Abraham, uh, to Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 2 to 3, the Bible says, it tells Abraham, right? And I will make thee of a great nation, and I will bless thee, right? I will bless thee and make thy name great, which, you know, his name is great to this day, right? And thou shalt be a blessing, right? He, he was not only speaking to Abraham, but he was speaking to him and his descendants, right? Everything, everybody that came after him. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. We all know that, right? And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, right? Because why? Abraham had that, that relationship with God. Now Joseph has a relationship with God. And now everybody around him, right, is being blessed, just like, just like God prophesied to Abraham in Genesis 12. As commentators would say, this is not a story of the success of Joseph, right? Rather, it is a story of God's faithfulness to his promises. God was being faithful to the promise that he gave Abraham way before Joseph came into the picture. Amen? Potiphar trusted Joseph's ability to hear from God because it, it even says there that he knew that God was with him, right? So he knew that, that there was something about Joseph that was just different. He had God with him. And then we come to... When Potiphar's wife falsely accused, accuses Joseph, right? right? But Joseph's life in, in Egypt would not be an unbroken progression of blessing and promotion because in Genesis 39, 7 through 10, that's when the story takes a turn. If, if you want to go with me there. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon her, upon Joseph. So she looked at him and, you know, she's, she liked what she saw, I guess, because like we read a couple chapters before, it stays as Joseph was a good-looking fellow, right? Um, I almost said my name there. And she said, <laughs> and she said, lie with me. Lie with me, right? We all know what she was implying, right? I don't have to explain. Um, she just didn't want company. She wanted him to lie with her. But he refused, right? Joseph was a just man. He refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he has in my hand. He's like, look, I, have, I oversee your husband's stuff. Why would I risk it, right? Why, why am I to do this if, if I'm in charge of all this, right? There is none greater in this house than I, right? Neither has he kept back anything from me but thee. He said, he's giving me everything I want except you, right? And I don't want you. <laughs> I don't want you. Not only that, you know, even if he offers it, I wouldn't want it, right? Neither hath he kept back anything from me, uh, I mean, because thou art his wife. He understands, right? 
And how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, that's, that's the pinnacle of why he didn't do it, right? He was more concerned, like I said, about sinning against God than really betraying Potiphar, right? He said, look, and it's not in the Bible, right? But, but, but I want to I wanna speak in the flesh a little bit, right? If, Potiphar, if, if Joseph was a different person, he would have said, yeah, we can probably sneak around and your husband will never find out. He probably could have gotten away with it, right? But in the eyes of God, God sees everything, right? So there was no way he would hide that from God, even if he did try or even if he did, you know, give in. Um, and it came to, uh, yeah, he asked, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Now, perhaps the most clear and disturbing here is that Potiphar's wife appeared to think this sort of behavior was normal and expected Joseph to simply go along with the ways of the household. She probably saw them old school cartoons where the female, you know, doesn't show a lot of, you know, graphic stuff, but just the eyelashes turn into a little finger, right? <laughs> I'm old school cartoons, you know, I used to watch all... Sometimes I still do, you know, those black and white ones where the, the female, you know, is, is with the eyelashes is pointing, eye, come here. And then she thought that every man will fall like that, like in the cartoons, right? Because you see that the guy just looks and then like the eyes turn really big, hearts, the, the tongue unrolls with hearts and the heart starts beating out of the chest. He, his face turns into a wolf. He starts howling, oh, you know, and then he does that with a, you know, <laughs> little whistle. You know, and then he just floats towards her, right? She thought that was going to happen. She said, well, if I say, come lie with me, Joseph would say, all right, you know. You know, I can't, can't take down that offer. But no, she, th that was a problem with her. She thought that Joseph would give in, but that's not the case. The problem is that Potiphar's wife had completely misread Joseph due to the incomplete knowledge. Now, she knew, as the Bible dictates, that Joseph was very attractive, like I said, right? He was good looking. She also knew that Joseph was meant to rule, right? So she's like, well, maybe if I get a head start, you know, I'll be ruler too, right? Uh, but she falsely assumed that he only meant to rule in Potiphar's house, right? Finally, and most importantly, she did not know that Joseph was a dreamer who had been given a destiny. She was trying to stop what God had given him, right? And that's what the world would do. It will try to stop what God has given you with lusts and desires, but we got to be like Joseph. We got to stand firm and say, no, not against God. Am I not going to do this? Because he refused. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, right? Joseph was not concerned, like I said, with Potiphar's reprisal or about the prospect of losing his position should he found out. Clearly, Joseph was acting out more than a prudential sense of self-preservation. He acted on an understanding sense that uh, of being a man of destiny, a destiny not to be squandered on a fling of passion. Joseph is not, it's not that he didn't have passion, it's just that his passion was towards other things, right? He was passionate about the things of God, amen? So in this story, like I said, Potiphar's wife really tries to have Joseph come lie with him, but Joseph says no, and you know, then since he didn't lie with her, she lied about him, right? Amen. And uh, now Joseph, in this part, he's thrown into prison, right? And we read in Genesis 39, 11 through 20, it, it states what happened. It says, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. 
and there he was none, and there was none of the men of the house there within. So he was alone pretty much in the house with this lady, right? And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand. You know, he pretty much like <laughs> got out of it. She was trying to pro- probably tug him, right? And, uh, and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he had brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He became into me to lie with me and cried, and I cried out with a loud voice. She was, pro- she was pretending to be a victim in this case, right? She, she made it seem like Joseph took advantage of her while they were alone. So that was a big lie because none of that really ran through Joseph's mind. He just was there doing what he was doing, right? He was doing his work. Uh, and I cried, and then he left the garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard of these words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy, did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. He said, he did this to me, and then he got really, really mad. It kindled, it ignited him, right, um, in anger. And, and uh, let's see, and, uh, sorry. And Joseph's master took him. So he, he, he took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So now we could probably think, right, we could probably assume that Potiphar would have been so mad that he could probably give him a worse punishment, right? He could have probably taken him out back around the house and, you know, scuff him up a little bit, you know, say, why you do this to my wife, you know? He could have probably sentenced him to, to die, you know. He was his slave. He was his property. He could do with him as he, as he pleased. He could have just let him go to another uh, slave owner, you know, another, another household, right? But he just decided to put him in prison, right? So now, like I said, we should at least somewhat uh, surprised that Joseph Penalty ended up being only imprisonment rather than death. Potiphar was, after all, a high-ranking high official. We've got to think about that. You know, he was a really high-ranking official. You know, he was, he was right there with the Pharaoh. This was probably an indication of Joseph's value to Potiphar as a successful steward of his wealth, right? We knew, like, yeah, he really cares about Joseph enough not to do anything worse that he probably deserves, which he doesn't, right? However, it could also be an indication that Potiphar, and this is a commentary, but it, it sounded a little funny to me. So It could also be an indication that Potiphar was at least suspicious that his wife had been less than truthful. <laughs> Perhaps she had done this kind of thing before with previous servants, right? So, you know, <laughs> if the problem keeps happening, you got to get rid of some things, and he keeps getting rid of the wrong things and keeping the problem, you know? You know, I, I <laughs> my car's uh, air compressor, AC compressor, is not working, and uh, the fuse keeps blowing. Well, instead of changing the compressor, I keep changing the fuse. So I've, get, I've gone over a box of fuses, and the compressor is still not working. So the mechanic told me, you need a new compressor. I was like, have you tried the fuse? So, <laughs> so I, think, I think Potiphar was kind <laughs> of doing the same thing. He's like, this seems to happen quite often, right? And we get a new servant, and she, they just want to lie with my wife. He probably thought he had a trophy wife after that, you know? It's like, everybody wants my wife, you know? But deep down, that lady was not worthy. She was uh, a less than reputable character. So, um, and, and then, you know, 
but we continue on with the story, right? Even though he was thrown, uh, thrown into prison, the Lord was still with Joseph, right? We continue in Genesis 39, 21 through 23. It says, but the Lord, it begins, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, at this point, I would, I would think Joseph is like, you know what? Every time something bad happens, God is with me. So he could probably rest a little easy, right? But that's not how our flesh acts, right? He's probably scared out of his mind. You know, he went from, I mean, all this happened really fast. He went from being hated by his brothers to being thrown into a pit to, you know, being sold into slavery. Now a woman is lying about him, and now he's in prison. I'm like, that's a handful, you know. That's a big change, you know. Even, even coming to a new place was a big change. And uh, when I came to, to this country, you know, I, I saw things here that I never saw back in my old country, right? I, I was like, this is something new, you know. So even that was different. So imagine all these things that are happening in his life right now would probably had, had him shaken a little bit, right? Um, yeah, so... so you know, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. So now he went from being uh, some type of hierarchy in the house of Potiphar to being some type of hierarchy in the prison, you know. Um, and whatsoever they did there, he was a doer of it, the, a doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him again. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. So now the, 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 the keeper there knows that God is with Joseph. He says, well, because God is with you, I'm going to make you pod boss or, you know, whatever you call him back then. Just, you know, the, the, the main guy here at the jail. You know, you're going to run the show here, right? And as the story of Joseph went from bad to worse, crossing the threshold of Potiphar's house as a slave and then crossing the threshold of the prison as an inmate, we are doubly reminded that the Lord was with Joseph. I mean, we're doubly, sorry, I read that wrong. We're doubly reminded that the Lord was Joseph. At every point of his life, the Lord was with him, amen? These reminders form an important frame around the terrible story of Potiphar's wife, reminding us that God remained present and active in Joseph's life. Just as God's presence had made Joseph prosper in Potiphar's house, so God's presence will grant Joseph the favor with the prison keeper. Like it says in Genesis 39 21, right? And here we found a subtle but important lesson that God's faithfulness to Joseph in prison is presented as a response to Joseph's own faithfulness to Potiphar as a steward of his house, right? So the reason why God continued to be with him is because while he was in Potiphar's house, he was faithful, right? So now he's like, well, everywhere I put you, Joseph, you're faithful, so I'm going to be faithful back to you, right? I'm going to be with you. And at, at all this, at all in all these times. So, given his terrible situation, Joseph had every apparent right to behave unfaithfully towards his master, giving his victim status. Why should he bother being a good slave? Right? He could have acted a fool after that. He said, "Well, you're going to treat me like this. I'm going to act a fool." Right? Given the pain of his circumstances, why should he not betray his master's trust? Right? But Joseph realized that that divine and human faithfulness are inseparably right. They're intertwined. If Joseph wished God to be faithful to him, then he himself must be faithful. In some ways, Joseph's actions illustrate the principle pronounced centuries later by Jesus in Luke 16 and 10, that it says, He that is faithful in which it is in, in which it in that which is least is faithful also in much, right? 
if you're faithful with little, you're going to be faithful with much, right? And he that is unjust in the least is going to be unjust also in much, right? So God uh, understood this from Joseph. Even in the little things, even in this part of his life, Joseph was being faithful. So therefore, God honored him, right? So now Joseph is elevated to leadership in prison, right? So now, not only did, did God found favor with him at Potiphar's house, he's also finding favor with him in the prison, right? Uh, once again, in the most unexpected place, Joseph found prosperity because of his divine favor, of divine favor. As with Potiphar, the, the jailer implicitly trusted Joseph, granting him a position of authority with, within the prison as ironically his second, second in command. So like I said, he was... He was up there, he was more than a prisoner. He was the second in command, right? Again, in Genesis 22 to 23, it says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. You know, he, he's like, they're, they're not saying they're, your, they're, they're yours, but they're under your, your command, right? Whatever you say goes. And whatsoever they, they did there, he was a doer of it, right? The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And which that he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So we understand that part, right? This may all seem just a cruel cosmic joke at Joseph's expense, except for the events that unfolded in Pharaoh's court just after Joseph's promotion, right? So this all happened after, after he became the second in command at the jail, right? And now we go to Genesis chapter 40, if you want to turn there. Um, and verse 1 through 3, it says, And it came to pass... After these things, that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. Now, that makes me question what happened. You know, they don't give the details, but I would really like to know what happened. You know, I don't want to make assumptions, but uh, there's a baker and there's a butler. You know, the sky's the limit. So... I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to make assumptions, you know, probably baked a wrong piece of bread or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into it so much. And like I said, Pharaoh was wroth against the two of his officers, against the chief of his butlers, of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard. So he threw them in prison, right? Uh, in, 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 in the prison, the place where Joseph was bound, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, right? He said, they're, they're yours now. And he served them. And they continued a season in war. So they were there for a season. They were there for quite some time. Like I said, I want to know what happens. Like, I wish it gave more details, but, you know, I really, I'm all about details, right? So I would really like to know. Hopefully one day I can, I can ask Joseph, you know, so what happened to the butler and to the, you know, to the baker? But anyways, uh, we should note there that, uh, we should note here that though the baker and butler may strike us as lowly positions, right, given their unrestricted access to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daily food. So, so these were not any lower servants. These were pretty high up there. One of them was a butler. You know, one of them gave access to the Pharaoh, and the other one literally fed him. He was a baker. He made the bread that the Pharaoh took in. Uh, these would have been positions reserved for only the most trusted and intimate of friends. So not only did he put away a butler and a baker, he put away somebody that he really trusted because I would assume that whoever is in those positions needs to be trustworthy, right, worthy of trust because we don't want to, you know, bring somebody in into Pharaoh's court 
that would just allow anybody in his house or that would just bake him cookies that are raw, you know, just anything that happened. I really want to know what happened. Um, but anyways, uh, these would have been positions, like I said, reserved for only the most trusted and intimate of friends. Therefore, these would have been positions of significant influence. However, most importantly, for the story's purpose, the status of these two officials served to set up Joseph's next advancement, right? So, so this, all this that happened is continuation for what is to happen, right? Uh, Joseph's position of favor was responsible for his being assigned to wait on the two incarcerated royal officials. And again, we see Joseph's faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness working hand in hand to bring about the fulfillment of Joseph's dream, right? So Joseph interpreted the dream for the butler, right? So at this point of the story, he's there with them and, you know, he's, you know, just in there because that's all you got to, that's all you can do really in prison, just be around each other and tell each other things. And then they started telling each other's dreams, right? Uh, and Joseph had, had been a receiver of dreams, but not an interpreter of dreams. So now Joseph had had dreams of his own, right? He has had dreams. He was a dreamer, but he never got to interpret them until now, now that he's in prison, right? In fact, part of the Animosity Joseph experienced from his brothers and even his father appears to be related to Joseph's own ability to comprehend the meaning of dreams, right? Many of the problems that arose when he was still with his father in his father's house with his brothers was that he had those dreams and he would tell those dreams, but he would not say the meaning of them. God would not reveal that to him, right? So this brought forth some problems. In Genesis 37, verses 8 and 10, it says, And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Right? They were questioning, so are you going to rule over us? Or are you going to have dominion over us? What's, what's the story? What's the dream about? And he's probably like, I don't know, you know. So that's probably what fueled their anger, right? And then even his father, right, in, in, in verse 10, if you jump down. And then he told to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him, right? His father rebuked him, said unto him, What is the dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Say, what's the deal, Joseph? Am I your father supposed to bow down to you too? And Joseph at this point is probably getting, you know, combated with all these questions. He's like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And because of his inability to interpret dreams, made it so that caused, you know, anger and then all the rest of the story unfolds the way it unfolded. And now we're here, right? But proper dream interpretation was a result of divine, not human insight. This was God-given revelation, not what he thought it was happening, right? Uh, Joseph did not claim unique insight to his dreams on specialized skill, but on a unique relationship with God. He said, I can interpret these dreams not because I'm a, a, the dreamer, right, but because God is showing this to me. It is God who granted him access to otherwise inaccessible knowledge, right? He showed him things that only God could see, right? So Joseph trusted that God, who faithfully gave the dream, would just as faithfully give the interpretation of it to those who would ask and believe, right? It was not only about saying, hey, can you tell me what my dream was? It was like, yeah, you're going to tell me and I'm going to believe, right? Because I trust that God is with you and I'm going to trust your God. That's pretty much what they were telling him. And Genesis chapter 40, uh, 5 through 13, tells a story of the accounts of what happened at that time, right? And they dreamed a dream to both of them. Each man his dream in one night and each man uh, in one night. Each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came 
in unto them in the morning and looked up them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were in there with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Pretty much saying, What's going on, buddy? Why are you sad? Why the long face, you know? Why are you sad today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. Now, that's, to me, that's kind of weird, but I know it's, it's a story, right? Um, I, I don't ever have dreams. I was like, I don't know what this dream means, you know? And so I just I have weird dreams, by the way. So I don't want to tell you my dreams. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> unthinkable things. And some dreams, I, I'll be honest, some dreams are, and I tell my wife my rule, if I have the same dream three nights in a row, it usually happens. So I give God praise to that because that's not me. All right. But anyways, I'm not saying I'm like Joseph, but, you know, something similar. Um, <laughs> and Joseph came on to the, like, he asked him, you know, why are you sad today? And they said unto him, well, we had, we have a dream. We have dreamed a dream and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, do not, uh, do not interpretations belong to God? He said, well, that's God's job, right? Tell, tell them, tell me them, I pray you. So I pray you, you know, tell me the dreams. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said unto him, in my dream, behold, the wine was, a vine was before me, and in the vine there were three branches, and it was a, 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 as, as though uh, budded, so it was, you know, intertwined together. And her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, and Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. He said, okay, well, let me tell you about your dream, right? Let me tell you real quick. The three branches are three days, yet within... Three days shall Pharaoh lift, you, lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand and the former manner where thou hast, was his butler. He's like, everything's going to go back to normal in three days, right? You're going to be there serving Pharaoh and everything's going to be cool and dandy, right? The interpretation of the butler's dream was a relative straightforward reading of the key symbols, right? The three branches equal the three days, which signify the length of until the time of fulfillment, the act of pressing the grapes into Pharaoh's cup and giving the cup to Pharaoh's hand signified the outcome, which the butler's restoration to his former position and Pharaoh's good graces. Like I said, everything's going to be cool and dandy, right? And now we come to Joseph interpreting the dream of the baker. This is where we can say <laughs> things didn't go as it did before, right? This is a complete 180, a complete opposite of what happened to the butler. And when, uh, Genesis 40, 16 through 19, it tells us the account of the dream of the baker. It says, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said, well, his came out good. Let's see how mine comes out, right? He said unto Joseph, also in my dream, I, I also was in a dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and the uppermost basket there was manner of, of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, um, I, th I think Joseph probably took his time about this one. He said, let me be careful about what I'm going to tell this guy. I would have probably second-guessed. I was like, is that, is that true, God? Is that, come again, come again. <laughs> uh, and he, he said, this, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift you up thy head from of thee and shall, and shall hang thee on the tree, and the bird shall eat thy flesh off from thee. That's not the same thing that happened to the butler. He was telling him pretty much, you're going to be decapitated and the birds are going to be eating out your eyes. Sorry for putting that image on y'all. 
but he's, yeah, and your body's going to be hanging somewhere. Um, yeah, so given the positive interpretation of the butler's dream, the baker was even more eager to, to share his own dream and hear its meaning. He probably thought after that, I shouldn't have told him about my dream. Should have kept it to myself. Maybe it wouldn't come to pass. But hey, it happened, right? The relation of the baker's dream, which was, which was remarkably similar to the butler's sets, uh, sets up the reader and the baker for a significant shock at the diametrically opposed interpretation. You know, like I said, these interpretations were, were literally night and day, you know, heavenly and, you know, not so heavenly, right? Um, and and uh, in, in three days, instead of being lifted up to his former place, the baker's head will be lifted up when he would be hanged for his offense and his corpse will be left to feed the wild animals. That's what Genesis 40, 19 pretty much was telling him. You know, this is going to happen, right? And we continue with the Lord being with Joseph in prison. Uh, we read in Genesis, uh, in the same chapter, 40, now verses 14 through 15, and then 20 to 23, it says, but think of, uh, uh, Joseph now tells, tells the, uh, the butler, right? After I tell you this dream, after all this happens, you, you, you know, I'm asked for a favor, right? It says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee. And, and, show, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of, he, of the Hebrews, and, and the, here also have I done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. He's like, look, when you're out there, please, please give a good word out for me, right? I don't belong here. I was falsely accused. I really want to be back at home. You know, I'm, I'm from the land of the Hebrews, and I don't belong here. I have no business doing here, right? And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, right, uh, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the uh, chief baker among his servants uh, and restored the chief butler unto his butlers again. And he gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but he forgot him. So now everything that's fine and dandy, he's like, Joseph who? I'm over here partying, you know, it's Pharaoh's birthday, you know, I, I didn't get him a gift, but I'm here, you know, I'm partying, right? Um, and, and Joseph's accurate interpretation of the butler's and Baker's dream was the only needed proof that God was with Joseph in the prison, right? Because those dreams were interpreted by God, therefore God was with him there interpreting the dreams. It also asserts, as was noted above, that Joseph had an advantage from being a recipient of his own dreams to being an interpreter of others' dreams. While in prison, Joseph had grown in wisdom and ability. This makes even more ironic the heartbreaking that Joseph remained in prison at the end of the chapter. Like I said, he, the guy forgot about him, and, you know, he was over there parting, you know. I, I watched this show, um, old show, old family show, and, and this, this really reminded me of, of him. Uh, it's, it's about a, a family that is not the best family out there. Uh, they kick the oldest son out. He's, he's walking. He meets a, a homeless guy that gives him, you know, a piece of beef jerky. He's with him. In the middle of that, he calls his buddy. He says, hey, man, come pick me up. I'm, I'm near, you know, I'm under this bridge with the, these homeless people. His friend comes up, and the guy says, oh, can you take me to the bus station? He says, sorry, we're going the wrong way. He gets in the car and leaves. So that's, that's, that, that's to me kind of what happened with, with you know, the butler. He said, well, you, you know, I'm out of here. I'm over there partying, and uh, I forgot about you, Joseph, you know. <laughs> I'm going to leave you in there. But anyways, in all the best stories, the hero's breakthrough moment is matched by an equally important improvement in circumstances. Not so with Joseph, right? The butler advanced, but the one who successfully interpreted his dream um, 
remained behind in prison. However, delayed the butler's faulty memory, God's plan and Joseph's request has still laid the groundwork for the kindness of God to be manifested in Joseph's life. So this is now where the story ends, right? Obviously, it continues, and, and, and we, I, I won't get to it because, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about that two weeks from now, right? So, so I don't want to jump ahead, but, it, it, you know, if, if, if you all know the story, we know what happens, right? But what we're trying to, 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 to portray here, right, is that God is with you, right? God is with you in those times, right? God was with Joseph at every part of his life, right, while he was in Egypt. Right now, Egypt in in the Bible context has to do with the world, right? It it, it signifies the world, right? So while Joseph was out in the world, Amen. Jo- uh, God was with him, right? When Joseph went through bad things, you know, when 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 he was when in the middle of the uncertainty, right? Because he came to a new place, right, where people had new customs, right? Different customs, maybe um, they spoke probably different words, different language, perhaps. Um, in the middle of uncertainty, God was there, right? In the middle of temptations, right? Because it was not only Potiphar's wife saying, come here, lay with me. It was making it seem like she was tempting him, right? In the middle of temptations, God was with him. In the middle of the unknown, right? Like when he's not sure what his life is going to be, what's going to happen? Am I going to die because this lady lied about me? Am I going to go to prison? Am I going to be beheaded? Are the birds going to eat my eyes out like, you know, with the other guy happening? I don't know, but God was with him, right? In the middle of the darkness where he can't see his future, God was with him. God is with us, right? So could you please stand up to your feet? I'm coming to a closing. And we know that God remained committed to his purpose for Joseph's life and therefore remained present even in the worst than the worst of the worst circumstances. The dream is carried to Joseph through the darkest days, right? God is with him. And, and this is kind of a promise that Jesus makes to his disciples, right? When he sends them off to, to, to share the gospel with everybody, you know, unto the uttermost parts of the world. He says, and behold, I will be with thee, right? I'll be with you. Uh, in Matthew 28 and 20, it finishes like this. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, right? So that's reminding us, giving us assurance that God is with us. Even in, like I said, even in the uncertainty, even in the temptations, even in the unknown, even in the darkest moments, God is with us. So can we lift a hand today, maybe bow your head and pray for this word? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.